High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Bible, go to Genesis chapter one. We're going to share together tonight. We haven't done this, I don't think, since uh, we've been back. We would do this relatively frequently in Orlando a few times a year, uh, but uh, we're going to share together this evening as we are continuing uh, this series on marriage, family, and things we don't want to talk about. Uh, and we're going to probably talk about some things that aren't talked about a lot in church, at least in most churches. They get talked about a little bit more here at High Praise. And next week, we're really probably going to talk about things that don't get talked about a lot in church. Paul made a scared face at me. Um, it won't be that bad, I promise. But you want to be here. Um, before I get ahead of myself, I'm going to get I'm just going to go ahead and get ahead of myself. It's just going to happen. Um, this is the reality. What the church refuses to talk about ends up perverted. When the church refuses to talk about things, they become perverted. And we can't just talk about them. We also have to talk about them rightly. We can't just talk about them. MG, you having a concert down there? We can't just talk about things. We have, <laughs> we have to talk about them rightly. I'm messing with MG. Y'all know that. I love MG. I can do that with MG. Because uh, he knows I'm playing. We have to talk about them rightly, not just talk about them. We can't just brush things under the rug and we can't talk about things wrongly or give the wrong impression of things. And I'll give you some examples of that probably um, tonight as we talk about things. But even more so next week, we'll probably talk about some of those things. Because uh, next week we're probably going to talk a little bit about intimacy and human sexuality inside of marriage. Um, so y'all can just be prepped for that. Uh, but it's going to be good. The church doesn't want to talk about these things for some reason, or when we talk about them, we talk about them so wrongly. Uh, and I'll give you, like I said, I'll give you some examples in a minute, but we have to talk about the things that God made. And we have to talk about them in the context, in the manner of which God made them, because what we refuse to address, the world will pervert. And one of, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced it's not because of, and I want you to hear my heart in this, it's not because of, quote, unquote, the enemy we have so much sexual perversion in our culture. It's because the church has refused to talk rightly about human sexuality. So we have allowed the rise of perversion because we haven't talked about, we haven't talked about it in the correct manner or the correct way. And I'll give you, I, I, I don't want to... I'm going to let her talk. Uh, otherwise, I could talk about this all night. But we're continuing this series. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. We're talking about marriage, family, things we don't want to talk about. And tonight is Valentine's Day. So I really want to key in on marriage and some nice lovey-dovey things tonight uh, and good stuff. So Genesis chapter 1. I'll tell you to turn there. If I didn't, you should be able to get there very fast. The Bible says this, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So notice it says male and female, he created them. And previous to that, it said, let them have dominion. Who is the them that he's talking about? Who? Male and female. Let them have dominion. It's not let him have dominion. 
It's not let her have dominion. It's let them have dominion. It's not just one or the other. It is them. And the them, even more specifically, if we want to get really uh, in the weeds a little bit, the them he's talking about is a man and a woman inside of a marriage covenant. The, the greatest way that dominion, the kingdom of God is exercised in the earth is not through the church. It is through a man and woman in marriage covenant together that are living according to, according to the kingdom ways. And let me just say this, and I'm probably that my wife, she'll probably have something to say about this because I know her. Women are not second-class citizens in the world. And let me just go ahead and say this. It is not woke, and it is not left-wing, and it is not this or that or the other to promote the idea that women are not subservient to men. That is kingdom. The kingdom at creation, God said, let them have dominion, not let him have dominion and her serve him. I'm sure you got something to say. Absolutely. Um, ladies, you are not beneath your husband. He created women, he created Eve from Adam's side. And there's a significant there because you're not to be trampled on. You're not a doormat. You are his help meet. And you're supposed to do life together and make decisions together and, uh, and walk together. Um, and that, that's the way that God created it to be. So women, you're not to be um, his mother either, nagging him and trying to talk down to your husband but, or, or underneath his feet. Where you're supposed to be at his side and doing life together. The, the, the image of marriage is, is literally, it is the image of, of, of Jesus and his bride, the church. That, that's, why, that's why dominion is enforced through marriage because it is, y'all remember when Pastor Casey talked about pointing to a day. That's literally what marriage is. It is pointing to a day where Jesus and his bride will reign. And guess what? We reign with Jesus. We reign with him. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. My wife is a joint heir with me. She is not underneath me or beneath me. And, and men, if, if you married somebody to be your mama, you need to grow up. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. You need to grow up. You didn't marry somebody. You, you've got a mama. You married someone to be your help meet. And y'all have probably heard dad teach about it before. And if you haven't, I'll give you a quick synopsis. The word, help me there, the, the Greek word is literally easer, and it means aid. Your wife is an aid to you. She is your right hand. She is somebody who is there to support you, to help you. Right? And you know what help, me, well, one of the things that help means is that you listen, and I'm going to get way ahead of myself. This is my last point, but we're not done. One of the things that it means is that she is a counselor to you. If you will listen to your wife, she has some wisdom that you need to hear. Let's keep reading because I'm going to come back to that. Verse 28. I, I don't want to throw the men off the boat before we get really started. Verse 28. Then God blessed. Who did God bless? God blessed them 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now go to verse, I mean, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, and I will make a helper comparable to him. It is, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Men, it's not good for you to be alone and God has someone comparable for you. Not somebody underneath you, someone comparable, an aid, a helper for you. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He brought her to the man. God brought her to the man. I'm going to show you something in a minute. And Adam said, this is now bone of my, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Get this. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. I'm probably going to read this scripture again next week when we talk about intimacy. But I think in this account, one thing that we see here, God's not stupid. And God knew exactly what he was doing when he set a naked woman in front of Adam. I'm not trying to be funny. I know it is funny and we want to laugh about it because it makes it a little uncomfortable in church. But I'm dead serious. God, God knew a response from man that was going to happen whenever he set a woman in front of him. And if you go back, God tells them the first command that God gives man and woman is be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Multiplication and fruitfulness comes from one act and one act alone. And that act is sex. And whenever God took and he placed a naked woman in front of Adam, he knew exactly what was going to happen. It's, it says, it says that God brought the woman to Adam and he put her there and they were naked and they were not ashamed. Let me just say this in, inside. And I'm not even talk about sexuality and I'm, we've barely even gotten to our notes. But let me just say this, inside of marriage, there shouldn't be shame attached to a man and a woman inside of a marriage covenant having a healthy, vibrant sex life. As a matter of fact, believers should have the healthiest, let me, married believers, <laughs> clarification, should have the most vibrant, healthy sex lives of anybody on the face of the planet. Listen, if you don't, you're not being obedient to what God said. And for some reason, at some, some place, we allow the enemy to have dominion in the realm of sex. And I, I, I'm, I've got to stop. But this is all for next week, but this is good. We allowed certain culture to come into the church, and it really was pervasive in the 80s and 90s, that did several things. And one, it, it put a lot of shame on sex inside of even Christian marriages. And I, if I could tell you the amount of young people 
that over the years we've heard about or had to personally talk to that even after they got married struggled in this area specifically because they were raised in church and they were told how nasty sex was their entire lives and shame was always attached to it. But what scripture tells us is they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Because there shouldn't be shame attached to it when it's done the correct way. When it's one man, one woman in a marriage covenant, God sanctioned and vibrantly encouraged that. And we've allowed certain, let's just, I'll just call it, we've allowed purity culture that has been perverted, a perverted version of purity, because we haven't actually told people to be pure, we've told them to be prudes. And there's a difference. What happens in marriage is pure. All right, y'all are looking at me in a funny tone of voice. This is what scripture says. People go, well, you just need to preach the Bible. This is the Bible. This is throughout scripture. What are you talking about? We need to preach the Bible. This is, per, this is all through scripture. We have to stick to the word. All right, I'm done. God created male and female. We see that he created Adam and he didn't stop there. You just have to stop, stop me because I'll just keep going. I know. I'm just patiently waiting over here. Um, but God didn't stop whenever he created Adam. He also created Eve. And so our, our example is that God did not create us to be alone. He didn't create us to walk through life by ourselves. He created us to walk in a community. God created and his plan is marriage. His plan is family. And so when we go through the exciting parts of life, when we go through the most difficult and painful parts of our lives, he doesn't want us to go through that alone. He gives us a husband and wife relationship to, to lean on each other, to glean from each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up. Um, and, and, and so when the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, he ordained relationships. Relationship and marriage is his plan. So men, you can't do it by yourself. And ladies, you can't do it by yourself either. You need each other. Let me just say this too. Whenever God says it's not good for a man to be alone, that doesn't mean you need to hang out with your friends more. It doesn't mean you need more nights with the boys or nights with the girls. The context in which he's saying it's not good for man to be alone is that you need a spouse, that you need somebody. Now, listen, I want everybody to understand there's nothing wrong with if you have a girl's night or a guy's night every now and then. But if you're spending more time with the boys or with your girlfriends than you're spending with your spouse, that's a problem. You're not prioritizing your spouse. You're not prioritizing your marriage. And that should come first before friends. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Y'all heard us say it, you've heard it a hundred times from this pulpit. There should never be anyone closer to you than your spouse. And let me just say this too. When, when, when we talk about this, it's not good for a man to be alone, that we need each other. I think a lot of times, and we, we um, yeah, I'm trying to say this in a nice way, MG, but I'm, I'm going to say it mean just for you since you're telling me to come on. I think we, a lot, I'm playing. I think a lot of times we, and men have probably been more guilty of this, just to be honest with you. We have weaponized certain scriptures to make wives and make, make, make our wives subservient to us. The Bible says you're supposed to submit. Well, the Bible also tells you to submit. 
we don't want to talk about that. Because the entire idea that Paul paint, paints is not just of one person who submits as somebody who's broken underneath another. He paints a picture of mutual submission. Because right after wives are commanded to submit, he says, oh, and by the way, and husbands, you love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. How did he give himself for the church? He submitted to the will of the Father to the point of death. It was literally the greatest submission that ever existed. So the idea of, of submission in marriage is not, I'm the boss, you do what I say. The idea of submission in marriage is I'm going to do everything to lay down. The, 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 really, honestly, the burden of, and y'all may freak out with this, but y'all just hang with me. The burden of submission in marriage starts with the husband. To where you lay down your life for your wife and your children to such a level that you prefer them at such a level that it becomes easy for her to follow where you're taking the family. If you're having to shout, submit, 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 it probably means you haven't laid down your life well. Unfortunately, in the church, we don't want to talk about that. We have a lot of generational and denominational inherited belief. Religion. Religion to where women can't preach and teach and women have to sit there and women need to be quiet because we want to cherry pick those scriptures. We want to do what makes us feel like we're above and makes us feel exalted and, and, and putting ourselves on a pedestal and idolizing ourselves really. And inherited belief does not trump biblical truth. That's right. That's good. I want to say it again so you all hear that. Inherited belief, which is one of the strongest forces on the face of the planet. A lot of people believe things not because they've ever studied it or heard it for themselves, but because somebody else told them. Inherited belief is, we see it, we see it in, in benign things, right? We see it like in what sports team you root for. Most everybody roots for a sports team. You root for that sports team more often than not because that's who dad rooted for. That's who mom rooted for. That's who grandpa rooted for. I, I'm not a Seminole fan because... Of, of any real reason other than that's who my grandpa cheered for, that's who my dad cheered for, and I didn't have a choice. That's just who I was. My kids, they didn't have a choice. Like, you can't wear orange and blue. It's just forbidden in the house. My favorite color is blue, but I won't pair orange with it. Right? I'm not doing it just that's just a hard pass that's the ugliest color combination known to mankind <laughs> and that's all and listen you, that's inherited belief that's what it is on a very just it doesn't matter level you hook hooking them over there that's inherited belief right but we do that with much bigger things than that and we don't actually read scripture we just believe whatever Facebook says or whatever the news says or, whatever or this our person favorite told talking us or, head says. Right. And we have to read the word for ourselves. We have to say, does this line up with scripture? So at the end of the day, to get back to the beginning so we can yes. actually move to an actual point. The enemy didn't create marriage. God created marriage. At the beginning, he created, he put man and woman together. And by the way, in the New Testament, whenever the Pharisees come to Jesus and they start asking him a question about divorce, Jesus points immediately back to the beginning. He says, y'all don't even know what y'all are talking about. 
In the beginning, God did it right. God addressed all marriage issues. He said, Daddy did it right the first time. This is the model. This is the template. Follow it and you will find success. This is the way. God created marriages. God created relationships. And that's why on that wall, when you come in, you will see equip, build further. The build in that is building families. And you can't build families without building marriages. And this church is going to be, is, and will continue to be a church that is full of strong marriages. Because you can't further the kingdom while your marriage is broken. Because if you try, it will eventually bring reproach. Some of you probably are, maybe some of you are aware right now of some issues that's going on with a very, very, very large ministry, charismatic, prophetic, intercessor ministry that is literally crumbling right now. I mean, it's basically non-existent or on the verge of non-existence because after 30 years, it came out that the founder of said ministry has been sexually abusing young women for 50 years, 50 years, 40 years. It's been going on. And uh, you know what one of the problems was? They didn't have a strong marriage. So now all the, all the good things they've done are becoming undone and there's a broader reproach on an entire, and by the way, this is one, I'm just going to, this is one reason we have millennials and Gen Z that are leaving the church because when this stuff comes out, we want to brush it under the rug and excuse it rather than call it the sin that it is and deal with it. We want to, well, we want to, well, actually people or just say, well, it's really not that big of a deal. No, a 30 year old man sexually abusing 14 year old girls is a very big deal like a legal big deal and shouldn't be ignored and because you like the way they pray. We have to address this stuff, but it won't, ha it is much less likely to happen if we have a strong marriage, if you build families, if you're with your spouse rather than running on ministry trips with single girls, you don't provide the opportunity for these things to even happen. All right. My wife is with me more often than she is not. And we don't run around on times with the boys and the girls all the time. We are together. I'm like lost if she's not with me. That's true. I will 100% own that. And I'm not ashamed of that. Our, you know, y'all know we, we, have, we have three young girls. They're all in dance. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday night, they all have dance. I think Monday night's the latest night. You get home at like 8. I leave at 2 o'clock. I get home about 7.45. Parent life. Praise God. I go home at 4, and I just sit depressed for about four hours until she comes home. I just don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm just going to go to sleep. I ain't got nothing to do. That's, I'm joking. A little bit. I don't like being without her. Does that mean there's not times we do things? And, but honestly, even when we hang out with people, you know what we hang out with mostly? Together with other people because I want to be with her. I want to be with her all the time because this is my help me. This is my spouse. This is the person God gave me in life. Why would I not want to spend as much time as humanly possible with the blessing that God gave me? Amen. So that really brings us to the first point, 30 minutes into the message, which is this. You need to recognize that you need each other. To have a strong marriage, you need to recognize that you need each other. It, 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 you, you aren't called to be independent 
in marriage. We are called to be interdependent. I am dependent on her and she is dependent on me because that's the way God made us. That's the way God made it to be. I want, I said it already, I want to be my, around my wife as much as possible. I am lost without her. If I'm out of town or she's out of town, we live on the phone and she's like, can I go please? I'm like, I just want to talk to you some more because I don't like being without you. God created male and female because they need each other. And not only that, God put something inside of each and every one of us that we want to feel needed. And if you don't make your spouse feel needed, you're really not, you're, you're not fulfilling part of your end of the marriage bargain. Are y'all with me? You got real quiet in here. You, you, you need to feel needed and you need to need, you, you need to want your spouse in more ways than one. If these things don't quit buzzing, new microphones are on the way in Jesus name. They legitimately are. They'll be here tomorrow. Everyone needs to feel needed. Go ahead, babe. You have to have a relationship and a marriage built on honesty and trust. You have to be able to speak the truth to each other. And sometimes being willing to open up and hear what your spouse is saying, it can be difficult. A lot of times we don't want to hear the truth, even though we sometimes already know what it is, but we have to allow each other to speak honestly to each other and speak truth and trust that you're going to actually listen, not just hear what they're saying, but listen. So your, your relationship, you should have cult, cultivate an environment to where each other can speak to each other and, um, and really honestly take a look at yourself and go, you know what, I can do better in that area. And sometimes that hurts, sometimes that doesn't feel good, but your relationship is going to be better for it. I know whenever he comes to me and is like, you know, this made me feel that way. What I don't need to do is just to automatically get defensive. And because it puts up this posture of, of like fighting um, and um, Because that's what you're doing. You're literally, you're becoming adversarial. Adversarial. Right off the bat. If your spouse comes to you, now let me say this, the way that you are truthful and honest makes a difference. She said, I was going to say that. I'm sorry. I stole it from you. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, but yes, um, so as Pastor Joshua was saying, please forgive um, me. Pro in Proverbs, Proverbs 15, one, it says, um, a harsh word stirs up anger. And when we go to our spouse, don't do it emotionally. Because generally what's going to happen is your words, you're going to be like, I'm going to throw a dagger. I want to hurt them. They hurt me. And that's what I want to do with my words in return. And we can't do that. That's not going to be a healthy marriage. That's not a way to communicate. Communication is so important. And the way that we speak to each other should be respectful. And um, I know if he comes at me, not being very nice, I'm going to put up walls. I'm not going to want to hear anything that he has that. to say. She's, she's lying right now. I never just do an, that. you know, just an example. If he ever did, right? Yes, if he ever did, I would put up That's walls. Um, but if he comes to me uh, with a nice, nicer tone and like, hey, 
this really hurt me whenever you did this or, you know, something, something more along the lines of that in, in a nicer tone. Watch your tone. Definitely watch your tone. That's Essentially this, if you're angry, go pray before you talk. Yeah, there you go. Don't try to express your emotions whenever you're mad, right? Because you, know you know what emotion you're going to express if you're hurt and you're mad? You know what emotion you're going to express? I'm mad and angry at you, and we're about to have it out, right? That, a heart, like, the, like it says in Proverbs, a harsh word stirs up anger. It doesn't say a word stirs up anger, mm -hmm. a harsh word. Sometimes it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Absolutely. So the next thing when we're talking about honesty, and this, these are all really communication things, which that's one of the big four, by the way. The, the, the big four reasons marriages fail are uh, it's religion, sex, money, communication. Those are the big four. Religion, sex, communication, money. Um, and communication, honestly, if you can get communication right, it'll help with a lot of the others immediately. Money is better if you communicate. Sex is better if you communicate. <laughs> Amen. And even, even being on the same page spiritually happens through communication, right? Communication is a big one. So the next thing we're talking about, honesty and communication, because if you lie about the way you feel, you know what's up? Are you okay? I'm fine. Y'all are laughing because y'all either have done that or your spouse has done that to you. And everybody knows when you get the, I'm fine. You are not fine. It is not fine. <laughs> but we have to be able to honestly communicate about issues. And you have to give your spouse permission to be honest even when it hurts. Which means this, you have to learn to listen. James said to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And we are often the exact opposite. We are quick to speak and slow to hear. You, especially in marriage. Listen, don't, and let me say this too. Don't seek to be heard if you're not willing to listen. And sometimes, you know, the time you need to listen the most is when you have disagreement, when you are fighting with each other. Let's just call it what it is. When you have a disagreement, it's fighting. Let me just say this though. You, you also have to learn how to argue well. And when I say argue well, I don't mean argue to win. What I mean is you have to learn how to communicate through your disagreement in a healthy way that comes to resolution. Right? And don't let something minor become major that you fight about for two weeks. Amen. I'm going to amen myself because y'all were like, I don't know. Sometimes I like fighting for two weeks. I'm going to pray for you. I don't like, you should hate it when you and your spouse disagree. And you should try to find agreement as quick as humanly possible. And you, you know what, sometimes that means apologizing even whenever you don't think you did anything wrong. Sometimes that means being repentant even whenever you think you were in the right and they were wrong. And bless God, I'm going to let them know. Sometimes you need to shut your mouth and open your ears and listen and seek to understand don't seek to win my dad always told me this he goes if you're formulating an argument in your head whenever someone's talking to you you're not listening if you're coming up with your retort while they're telling you how they're hurt or what they're going through and you're going i'm gonna tell i know I, i've got a response for that and i got a response for that and i got you're not listening and you need to give weight to the words of your spouse and don't ignore them. One of the worst things you can do is ignore your spouse. 
in multiple ways. Not just ignoring them in that, but learn to put this down and open your ears. TikTok will wait. Instagram will wait. Put down your phone and engage with your spouse and be present with them. Amen. Go ahead, babes. Proverbs 18, 1 through 2 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Don't try to defend your position until you first seek understanding where the other person is coming from. Don't be defensive, but try to to actually, like Pastor Josh was saying, listen and hear instead of being defensive. Amen. We got three more. Y'all good? All right. Well, we're doing it anyway. So the next thing is this. The next, next key to having a good marriage is this, a healthy marriage. Let me just say good, healthy. And by the way, a healthy marriage will be a good marriage. And if you're not married in, in this room, um, you either probably have been married at one point and, and might be again, or you're single, and hopefully you will be married one day because that's what God has for you. But the next thing is this, is flexibility, which means this, livable compromise. Marriage is not about planting your flag in the ground and not being willing to change. Marriage is about constantly evolving and changing and being willing to grow and willing to be flexible. Learn to be satisfied, not always with your preference, but with livable options. I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to have any say on the decorations in our house. And I'm okay with that. I shared a, 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 a reel on my Instagram the other day. It was like, it said me trying to give decorating advice to my wife and or advice for decor and it was a woman with a shopping cart and a man walked up with a pillow to put in the shopping cart and she grabbed it just flung it out of the way and I shared it on my story and I said me and my wife because that's 100% accurate we can be walking to them like oh this is nice she goes that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen so you know what I've learned I just don't say anything and I'm completely okay with that is the couch in our living room the couch I would have picked out? No, but happy wife, happy life in Jesus' name. It's the one she wanted, so you know what we got? We got the couch she wanted because I'm okay with that. And our compromise was this. She got the couch she wanted, I got the 86-inch TV. Would she have picked out that TV? Absolutely not. But I said, babe, you can have whatever you want. I don't care. You can decorate it however you want. I just need my TV. She said, we can do that. Livable compromise. Livable compromise. She got her couch. I got the TV. Praise God. That's obviously somewhat comedic, but there's truth in this, right? Whenever you are married to somebody else, things aren't always going to be your way. And if you try to make it always your way, you're going to live in misery. And so are they. Because you're two different people with two different perspectives, with two different tastes, with two different opinions. And largely, the longer you're together, the more those things are going to kind of coalesce. As long as you're willing to live in livable compromise and you're not dying on the hill of what, 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 what color pillows go on the couch. Which way the toilet paper goes on, right? These are not major issues. There obviously are some things 
And there are certain things you, you have to be principled on and say, this is the way it's going to be. we got to get on the same page. But I'm just going to shoot straight with you. You should have figured those things out before you said, I do. If you get married and you're surprised because you want 10 kids and they don't want any, I don't know what to tell you. You should have had conversations about this before. If you marry somebody and you're a believer and they're not and you thought they were gonna, you were going to change them, I don't know what to tell you other than we're going to be praying for you because this is stuff you should have figured out before. There should have been some red flags waving in your face. Don't, don't proceed, right? But the little things, we have to live uh, with, with compromise. This is the reality. Flexible things bend. Rigid things break. You have to be flexible in marriage. As a matter of fact, you, you have to be fluid in marriage. You just can't be broken by the little stuff. And the amount of people that are broken by little stuff is overwhelming. You can't be broken by the little things. Because if you're broken by the little things, when you encounter a big thing, and you will at some point encounter something big in your marriage, it's going to really be a problem. Babes. We have to appreciate diversity in our marriage. We have to appreciate the differences in each other. We don't need to try to make our spouse just like us. That's not gonna work out very well. Um, I mean, sometimes we've tried with different things, but- um, Never works. It, it doesn't work. But the, your differences make you stronger. Um, he has ideas and perspectives on things. And Good ideas. I didn't think I had to clarify. All and your the ideas right are perspectives. fantastic. I'm trying to be nice over here. <laughs> but, and I have um, different perspectives and um, different ideas as well. And so whenever we come together and share those things with one another, we can generally um, come up with a good solution to a problem or, or um, whatever the case may be. You, so don't force your spouse to be like you appreciate the uniqueness that God created them with. Um, one example is um, like Joshua, he, ha he and I have very different love languages. So another way that we appreciate diversity is not by just ignoring our differences either. He is very um, touchy. He wants to put his hand on my shoulder or run his hands through my hair or grab my Only hand. with her, only with her. Nobody else. I, I mean this legitimately. I, my love language is only touch in marriage. Outside of that, I am not a touchy person at all. But with her, I'm always like, I got my hand somewhere. Some places I can't put it on the stage. But I've always got my hand somewhere. I am less touchy, and I think the reason is Much just less. The, our life stage. I, I have four children, and two of them are constantly touching me, you know, toes in my face. It's just, I mean, who knows? So I have to not just think about myself and go, oh, I just need a break and let me go sit over here for two hours and not touch him. I have to go, this means a lot to him and it's the way that he receives love. And so um, I know that. And so I make that effort to go just because that's not my preferred love language. That's how he receives love. And, and I, and I want to make him happy and feel loved. So, um, I have to work in that area. And she 
didn't used to care about gifts at all. And now, 18 years into marriage, I was pretty high on the list. I don't know what happened. And I don't care... And I don't care about gifts at all. Like, I don't, if somebody gets me something, it doesn't inherently make me feel more loved or I'm appreciative, right? I'm not saying I'm ungrateful, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fill that need for me, right? But for her, it does. So you know what? I buy her stuff. That's right. I buy, I just got her a new wedding set. I buy her stuff. Why? Because that's one of the ways she receives love. And I'll go, I don't know why it means so much to her. It's really not that big of a deal. To her, it is. So I buy her stuff. And I, I mean, you take some notes, men. Like if I'm at Walmart or Winn-Dixie or somewhere, and I'll just randomly bring home flowers. It doesn't have to be a birthday or Valentine's Day or something like that. Flowers are, especially if you're at Walmart or Winn-Dixie, they're not that expensive. Buy some, your wife some flowers and bring them home from time to time. And let her know you love her. That's a good thing to do. All right, it was really quiet whenever I said that. I don't know if y'all are all just broke or if y'all don't like flowers, but I hope it's just you don't like flowers that much. Or men, y'all may have felt convicted. Last thing, we're done, I promise. Last thing is this, is, is, uh, is connection and covering, okay? In the beginning, God would commune with Adam and Eve, right? He communed with both of them. And they also communed with each other because... Adam and Eve, even in a place of, instru- of, of perfection, needed counsel and instruction. So even inside of your marriage, the two of you are not, hear, hear the way I say this, are not enough in every situation. Sometimes you need outside counsel, outside instruction, and healthy outside voices to guide. And whenever I say healthy outside voices, I don't mean your coworker that you gripe about your wife to all the time and that you want them to take your side. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to say this right now. If there's somebody in your life that you gripe about your spouse to all the time, stop it. If you have a problem with your spouse, if there's an issue in your marriage, you know who you need to go to? You need to go to them. I just hit her with my finger when I did that. And if, if, if you can't get resolution, then you know what you need to do? You need to make an appointment to come talk to a pastor or a leader who can help you through your issue. Right? Don't think that your friend at work is going to, because they're going to give you, 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 your friend who's been divorced eight times is not going to give you good marriage advice. I'm just being honest with you. Or that's, that's, that's running around with four different women or is married and has a side chick. They're not going to give you good advice. Why would you listen to them? You need not just counselors. You need wise counselors. You need people who have seen fruit in their lives. Why would you take advice from the fruitless? You wouldn't go to the homeless guy, and I'm not, I'm not dogging anybody who's homeless. Don't misunderstand me. You wouldn't go to the homeless guy and ask for stock advice. I hope not. For financial tips, for investment advice. Why would you go to people who you have talked junk about your spouse to and who their own marriages are messed up and seek their counsel? Where you get counsel matters, Right? In the multitude of counsel, there's safety. 
Proverbs 15.22 says that without counsel, plans go awry. Let me just say this. Accountability is needed in marriage. The first person you're accountable to is your spouse. And I'll just say this. Don't make decisions without them. Amen. But there are some decisions in life that even you and your spouse, you can make a decision on your own, but it may not be wisdom to do so. There may be situations you face that you think you can work through on your own. And you've been trying to work on them for 10 years. You need to get some counsel. Amen. And get some freedom. All of us need accountability, need voices in our lives. I, I remember, I can remember a time. Um, I, I can honest, I told somebody this the other day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this. I can honestly, I can honestly say probably, um, and I don't know if this is common or not, but probably the most tumultuous time in our relationship wasn't when we were married. It's when we were engaged in wedding planning and doing all of that stuff, right? That was probably like, if I could do it over again and just go show up at the church with a, with a wedding license and just say, I do, I do get it signed and go out to eat dinner somewhere and go on a honeymoon, I would probably opt for that. She said, hmm, she said, I don't know. That's a man's perspective, and that's why we have differing perspectives. Because as soon as I said that, she's like, there is no way on God's green earth I would have ever done that. But probably the time, because just to be honest with you, we, we, it's not that we never disagree, we never argue, we never fight, but honestly, we don't have prolonged fights. We don't have prolonged disagreements. We find, a, we find agreement. We find peace. We get on the same page, and we move We literally forward. won't go to bed. We will not go to until bed. Until... We've resolved We refuse issue. to go to bed until we've resolved an issue. And there are not many times that we have late nights. And I'm not beating ourselves on the chest. We've had great counsel. We've had great examples. And we've just chosen to work on things when we need to work on them and not let things spiral out of control. But I can remember a time. I don't even remember what the issue was, just to be honest with you, because it's so, this it's is 18. Dumb. Huh? It's probably dumb. It probably was dumb. It was 18 years ago. We were, we were engaged and planning and I was upset about something and I called my dad to complain about it because I was mad and that's the only person I was going to complain to and he said stop don't say another thing I'm calling Paul and Eva right now y'all go to their house y'all get this straightened out and that's what you remember that and that's what we did we rolled over to Paul and Eva's house we got out we were mad and angry at each other If you say so. I sat on one side of the room and she sat on the other, Paul said. That's probably true. We were mad as fire. And here we are 18 years later, 18 plus years, and we can't even remember what we were mad about. Because it was probably really stupid, just to be honest with you. So, huh? yeah, it was major at the time, but the thing that you think is major now in the rearview mirror of life, most of the time it's not going to be that major. It doesn't mean there aren't major issues that people have to work through, and I'm not trying to downplay if you've been through major issues. There are things that are major that mark people and mark relationships and marriages, but more often than not, the thing that you think is a mountain today, as you get further down the road, it's just like in real life. You look back, and what was once really big looks real small. Don't give up a marriage or a relationship on something that down the road is going to be this big. So... I said all that to say this, um, and this is not common, but the one person that I called to complain to told me to stop, and I needed to go to somebody who could fix it. If when you 
but you shouldn't be talking about your problems. But if you're talking about your problems to somebody and they're not pointing you to somebody who can fix the problem, those are not people you need to be talking to. Those are not the voices you need to have in your life. Those are not voices you need because reconciliation is always the point, is always what the aim is. Right. And dad was like, in that situation, and honestly, it's in, in, dad is not normal in that. Most parents are just going to defend their kid and be like, that's right. But he didn't do that. He was like, you're not talking to me about this. Go talk to Paul. Go talk to Eva. And we did. And we needed in that moment wise counsel. You never outgrow the need for accountability to be planted and to seek wise counsel in your marriage. And let me say this. Don't be, and I'm going to be done. I know what time it is. Don't be ashamed to seek wise counsel. Everybody always thinks their issue is the worst issue and nobody's ever heard it. I promise you, we've heard it times 10. You don't need to be ashamed of your issue. You're not going to be cast out or condemned or thrown to the side or discarded. People have problems. Marriages have problems. And we're here to see them restored and put back together because that's the heart of Jesus. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.